Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Jason Scott from Bar Down Investments. Welcome, Jay. Hi, how are you, Rama? Thanks for having me. Sure, Jess. Jay, thank you very much. Thank you for being on the show. Little bit about Jay. Jay Scott is, a, is an entrepreneur, investor, advisor, author, and partner at Bar Down Investments, focused on buying and repositioning large multifamily properties. In the past 14 years, Jay has bought, built, rehabbed, sold, lent on, held over 150 million in property around the country. Jay holds strategic advisor roles in several companies and is the author of four bigger pocket books on real estate investing, including the best-selling The Book on Flipping Houses. So with that, Jay, you want to add anything to your background? No. So um, I, I'm an engineer by education and trade. Um, worked in Silicon Valley in the tech industry for uh, about 20 years before I transitioned to real estate back in 2008. And for the past 15 years, I've kind of done everything in the residential space uh, from single family flips to ground up to development, rentals, notes, uh, and am now doing multifamily investing for the last three or four years. Awesome. Awesome. And what are your thoughts on current state of economy? Yeah. So the economy is certainly, I mean, we're recording this in the middle of August, 2022, um, and the economy is certainly in the midst of a change. Some would suggest that we're in the middle of a recession. Uh, personally, I think that we're not quite yet in a recession, but we're getting pretty close. So we're, we're definitely seeing some, some trends in uh, GDP, which is like the total output of our economy. We're seeing some trends in employment that aren't looking necessarily good. I mean, unemployment numbers are still really strong, but um, if you dig into the data, there's some things that are looking like they're, they're not great. Um, some companies are reporting second quarter earnings results that are that are a little bit weak. And um, obviously, we still have a, a ton of inflation, even though that's come down a tiny bit over the last month. So I think right now we're kind of at this um, at this inflection point where we're coming off of what, what's been a, a pretty strong economy over the last couple of years. But it seems pretty likely that we're, we're getting ready to head into a recession. And it's just a question of whether that happens this week or next month or six months from now. Awesome. And thank you for that information. So what do you think is causing that current economic shift? So, I mean, if you look at the history of this country and other countries, actually, recessions are, are fairly common. So if, if you look over the last 160 years or so, this would be the 35th recession that we've had. So if you divide 160 by 35, That'll tell you that on average, we have a recession every five years or so. Yeah. Um, now, it's been a long time since the last one. Obviously, well, we had one in 2020, a very, very short recession that a lot of people don't even think about. Um, but between 2008 and 2020, uh, that was 12 years between recessions. And that was the longest period this country has ever gone between two recessions. So I think a lot of people kind of got used to this idea that the economy just keeps going up and up and up and up. Um, and anybody that's kind of older than, than 30 or 35 remembers the good old days 
um, when we had recessions every few years. So before 2008, we had one in 2001. And before that, we had one uh, in the early 90s. And then we had one in the late 80s. And then we had a couple in the early 80s. So recessions really aren't um, this, this rare occurrence that a lot of people seem to think they are. Uh, they happen every few years, and, and typically they're a lot more mild than, than what we saw in 2008. Um, so, so they generally don't kind of make headlines the same way 2008 did. Cool. So what do you think it will be the biggest effect of the economic shift? I, so I think in this case, and, and anything I say here is really just a guess. I don't claim to have any any data that anybody else has. And, and what we tend to see is while economists um, tend to be pretty confident in their predictions, they often tend to be wrong. So um, I'm, I'm certainly not an economist. I'm not as smart as a lot of economists out there. And even they can't get it right. So don't, don't necessarily trust anything I say. But I think this recession is going to look a, a good bit different than what we saw in 2008. And back in 2008, what, what we saw was that there were some fundamental issues with, with real estate. There are fundamental issues with the lending um, world. There are fundamental issues with mortgage-backed securities and collateralized loans. And those things kind of led to the crash in the economy that we saw in 2008. Here in 2022, we don't have a lot of those fundamental issues in real estate. Certainly, we have some affordability issues. Values have gone through the roof. But foundationally, things are still pretty reasonable. Uh, so what I, what I see happening in 2022 is we're going to have a recession that uh, that is likely going to be led by other things other than, than real estate. Inflation is obviously one of them, and inflation is going to hit a lot of different industries pretty hard. It's going to hit retail pretty hard. Um, I think we're going to see business earnings start to weaken over the next couple of quarters. I think we're going to start to see uh, layoffs. I think we're going to start to see stock markets suffer. I think we're going to start to see other asset classes suffer. Uh, but typically what we see is when there's no foundational issues in real estate, when we hit a downturn, people take their money and they put it in the safest, safest asset class they can find. And typically speaking, especially during inflationary periods, that's real estate. Real estate tends to be pretty safe. Real estate tends to, over, over the really long term, 50, 100 years, real estate tends to track inflation. So if you're just looking for a hedge against, uh, against inflation or you're looking for a hedge against a recession, real estate's a great place to have your money. And so I think we're going to see a lot of people moving money out of the stock market, out of bonds, out of other asset classes, and moving it into real estate. So I do think we're headed towards a recession. I think real estate's going to be, I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to necessarily do well or continue to go up, um, but I don't think it's going to be hit nearly as hard as some other asset classes during during the, the coming economic shift. Got it. Uh, yeah, you're positive about real estate. So is there any way economic shift will impact uh, real estate also? Certainly. I, I think there, there will definitely be an impact. So anytime people are losing their jobs or seeing their, their uh, wages get cut or seeing their hours get cut, they're going to be less likely to buy houses. People that are losing their jobs are, are going to have more trouble paying their mortgages. People that are getting their wages cut aren't necessarily going to be able to pay as much for their rental properties, for their apartments or the houses they're renting. So certainly there's going to be some softening. And I think we're going to see foreclosures go up uh, somewhat. I think that's, that's unavoidable. But I don't think, again, it'll be like 2008. Um, I think we're going to see real estate values soften and, and maybe even go down a little bit, especially in markets where we saw a huge run up over the last couple of years. But again, I don't think it's going to be a 2008 type event. Um, I think if you're uh, a landlord, if you're an owner, especially in the multifamily space, 
I think cap rates are going to get impacted a little bit. I think we're going to see an expansion in cap rates. Cap rates are going to go up. And when cap rates go up, values tend to go down. But at the same time, um, we still have inflation and I think we're still going to see reasonable rent growth. Um, so that's going to, to some degree, cancel out the, the cap rate growth. So overall, yeah, I think we're going to see a softening in real estate. I think there's going to be less volume of transactions. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of sellers who aren't desperate to sell and a lot of buyers who are very interested in buying. And so, so that, that supply and demand, I think, uh, is still going to rest. Um, there, there's still going to be leverage from the sellers. And so I, I think values are going to stay reasonably strong. And, and again, while we may have uh, a softening and values may dip a little bit, I, I think that what we see in, in real estate values going down is going to be much smaller than what we see in other asset classes. Great. So what do you think investors should do, do prepare for the economic shift? So there are things that we should always be doing if we think things are going to soften. Number one, make sure you have long-term loans in place. Because literally the, the, the hardest part about being in a recession for a real estate investor is getting fixed debt, fixed rate debt. Um, refinancing and getting new loans. Anybody that didn't remember or doesn't remember 2008 doesn't realize that um, while real estate was basically on sale, we could buy real estate for, for 50% of what we could a year or two earlier, it was really difficult to get loans. Lenders didn't want to make loans. You needed to have strong income. You needed to have strong credit. You needed to have reserves. Um, and if you didn't have all that, it was really hard to get credit and get loans. And so what I would recommend to anybody is if you have any loans that are coming due in the next year or two that you're going to have to refinance, um, or if you have any properties that you're, you're thinking about getting um, uh, a loan against in the next year or two, now's probably a good time to do that. And I would suggest getting a, ter a loan term of at least three to five years, which should get us past the end of, of whatever's coming. So that's number one. Make sure you, you know um, your credit needs over the next couple of years and, and make sure you have those taken care of. Two, always work on your credit. Um, because again, if, if you, if you want to be able to get credit during a recession, you're going to need a strong credit score. You're going to need income. You're going to need uh, net worth. You're going to need reserves. And so working on your credit score now is going to benefit you a year or two down the road when credit starts to tighten. Uh, likewise, if you have credit cards now, I'm a big fan of increasing your credit limits, take out HELOC loans. I'm not saying actually use that money. I'm not saying take the money off your credit card. I'm not saying spend the money, um, but have the credit available just in case you need it. And, and other than that, I'd say the big thing is stay away from, from transactional real estate. So stay away from flipping houses if you're not really good at flipping houses, because it's likely that we're going to see some softening. We're going to see the markets drop in some places. Buy and hold is always a great strategy because rents generally don't go down. If you find a cash flowing property and you're not over leveraged and you can get a loan against it, you can typically hold it and, and just continue to make cash flow from it until the market improves. But with a flip, if the market doesn't improve, if the market uh, drops somewhat, well, you're stuck holding that property that's costing you money every month. You're not making any income from it. And it's now worth less than when you bought it. So what I recommend to anybody right now is it's much better to focus on buy and hold real estate. Don't focus on transactional real estate like flips or, or ground up development. Great. So what are the trends you're seeing in the real estate and multifamily space? In multifamily, I think the biggest trends are related to population and employment. And it's not just the last couple months with with like the, the economy changing. It's really everything we saw stemming from COVID. So back in 2020, when we had the lockdowns and a lot of people started working remotely, 
Um, we went from something like like 15% of the workforce working remotely um, long term to now over 25% of the workforce working remotely, which means people have a lot, a lot of people have a lot more freedom to move anywhere they want. And so where are they moving? They're moving to places with nice, nice weather. They're moving to places with low taxes. They're moving to places that they, they want to live. And so there's a, been a big population shift from kind of like the, the Northeast and the North, Northwest down to the South and, and, and kind of the, the Sunbelt areas, because that's where a lot of people like to live. And so those areas, because we're seeing strong population growth, we're seeing strong growth in rents, we're seeing strong growth in multifamily values. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of companies starting to move um, their headquarters or their warehouses or, um, or remote locations to those areas because they have a lot of workers there. Um, and also because taxes tend to be lower. So I think if you follow the population trends, if you follow the, the employment growth trends, um, those are the areas um, where people are moving and businesses are moving that are likely to do well over the next couple of years. And the places where people are leaving, the places where businesses are leaving, the places where companies are, are like kind of pulling up and, and saying, hey, we're going to move our headquarters. Those are places that I think over the next couple of years are going to struggle. And I'm not saying it won't kind of equalize and, and we won't see a shift again in a couple of years um, when, when there's probably a little bit less remote work and, and people realize that there's opportunity in, in those places that everybody was leaving. But for now, I, I think the opportunity really is where, where all the population and business trends are, are headed. Cool. So what is the impact, impact of taxation on the real estate and multifamily space? Uh, so certainly um, uh, there's a huge impact on population trends. People like to move where taxes are low. That's part of the reason why we've seen Florida um, be one of the fastest growing states in the country because there's no state income tax. And so even with businesses, businesses recognize that there's opportunity in, in places with low income tax. And so they're moving there as well. So I, I think um, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years to see what the tax trends are, both at a federal level and at a state level. But I would say follow, follow those trends because the population is going to follow those trends. And if you see states that are lowering their state income tax or, or getting rid of their state income tax, um, I think that's going to be a boon for the state. And I think there are going to be a lot of people moving to that area. And that's going to be really good uh, for, for property owners in those areas. Got it. And what what is the role of government in the real estate market? Yeah. So, I mean, the government plays a big role. And um, regardless of what your politics are, um, there are places where it's much more difficult to be a property owner. There are places that tend to be more tenant friendly areas where it can be difficult for landlords to, for example, uh, get evictions taken care of quickly. There are places where we are starting to see rent control. And so certainly those areas that tend to be um, more liberal with their, with their, uh, with their uh, oversight of real estate and landlords and property ownership, those are places where it's going to be really difficult to be a landlord over the next couple of years, simply because you're going to be at risk of higher, uh, higher economic vacancy when, when you have tenants that aren't paying. Uh, you're going to have risks of uh, limiting your NOI when there's rent control or rent caps. Um, and so certainly I, I'm, I'm a fan of investing in places that tend to be more landlord friendly, that tend to have um, less government oversight in, in the property. Um, but then there's also a balance. I mean, if you look at those states that tend to have uh, more government oversight and tend to be more liberal, those are also states where we tend to see more uh, uh, rental assistance. 
So where people are struggling, there are programs in those states to provide rental assistance. And that obviously helps landlords because if a tenant can't pay their rent, your options are you find somebody that can help them pay their rent or you have to evict them, which costs a lot of money. Um, and so those states that have good rental assistance programs, that's good for landlords. So uh, certainly there's a, a lot of impact of both federal and state governments and local governments over, over property ownership, but it's not as clear cut as just saying only invest in conservative states, don't invest in liberal states. Um, it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but certainly it's a consideration that, that all landlords should take into account. Great. So what opportunities exist in real estate and multifamily market? I, I think there's a ton of opportunity. Now, over the last couple of years, what we've seen is that cap rates have been going down and rents have been going up. And when both of those things happen, values skyrocket. Um, now we're starting to see rents still going up, but we're starting to see cap rates go up a little bit as well. So things are starting to soften and it's it's much harder to get um, like long-term debt because the numbers aren't working for long-term debt. So a lot of a lot of buyers now need to get bridge loans, short-term bridge loans. And so there are a lot fewer buyers out there right now that can get the numbers to work. And so with fewer buyers, there's less demand. And when there's less demand, typically prices start to drop. And we're starting to see that. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily seeing prices like drop considerably. Things are still relatively strong, but not like they were a few months ago. Few months ago, a seller could list a multifamily property and and get 20 offers above ask. Um, people willing to pay ridiculous amounts. These days, people are willing to pay what the property is worth. I mean, and, and when we talk about what the property is worth for a multifamily, it's it's uh, NOI, the the operating income divided by the cap rate. And these days, we're we're typically seeing offers right around what that that of that formula that equation would indicate. People aren't paying ridiculous amounts anymore, but people also aren't, um, we're, we're not bargain shopping yet. But compared to where things have been over the last couple of years, I see that as a huge opportunity. Um, and I think there will be some stuff on sale, especially in certain markets over the next couple months um, as sellers start to, to, to get a little bit, some sellers start to get a little bit more desperate to sell. There are certainly sellers out there that we've seen that are in a, a position where they need to refinance over the next year. And if you have to refinance over the next year and credit starting to tighten, um, it may be difficult. And so they're going to be looking to sell. And if they can't sell quickly, they're going to get a little bit more desperate. So I think there's going to be some opportunities. Again, I don't think we're going to see a crash in, in real estate. We're certainly, I don't think, going to see a crash in multifamily real estate. Uh, but I think there are going to be some opportunities for the first time in a couple of years uh, coming up pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. So would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far? everything has been great. So even bad deals we've done, I mean, uh, real estate has given me the opportunity to kind of um, create this life that allows me to put my family first and allows me to raise my kids and be at all their events, their soccer practices and their piano recitals, literally. And, and so while we've had deals that haven't always been perfect and we've had struggles just like everybody else, um, I, I'd say just the, the fact that real estate has given me the opportunity to structure my life in such a way that I can raise my family um, has just been fantastic. So in general, real estate is, has changed my life. Awesome. Awesome. And would you also share any challenging experience in real estate space? Sure. There, there are a lot. Every day is a struggle and some days are, are better than others. Some days are worse. I mean, anybody that's done deals knows that no deal goes perfectly. Um, so we did a deal back during COVID. I mean, we, my, my team has a, a history of being able to say, 
um, we've never backed out of a deal. As long as the seller is honest about the property, um, we're going to move forward with the deal, even if something changes, even if we find a surprise during due diligence. Um, and then COVID came along and we were under contract on a property. And unfortunately, for the first time ever, we had to back out. And, and it was a hard decision for us because we've always prided ourselves on our reputation of never backing out of a deal. But we had a deal under contract during COVID. We backed out. But then the nice thing was that three months later, we, we entered negotiations with the seller again, and we ultimately bought that property. Um, so, so I like to think of, of the struggles that we have as, as temporary. They happen, but you just you get past them and you move on and you learn from them. And we had a deal just two weeks ago where, um, where we had raised a lot of money. We were getting ready to close. And then we found out that the sellers hadn't been honest with us about some expenses. And we were about fifty thousand dollars into due diligence, and and we had created all of our all of our investment documentation, which cost ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and we'd put a lot of money into it, and then realized we were going to have to back out of the deal because the seller hadn't disclosed stuff that that really changed the deal for us, and so that was an expensive uh, situation. But again, it, it happens in real estate and we learn from it and, and we ask more questions next time and we move on. Cool. And w- what is your current focus, Jay? Yep. So we are currently focused on uh, value-add multifamily, mostly in the South and Southeast. So most of our, our multifamily is in Texas. Uh, we buy 150 plus unit properties that need uh, either physical renovation and or management overhaul. Um, typically B-class stuff built between 1980 and 2010. That's been our focus for the last three or four years. Um, and we're not changing. We're, we're going to keep going down that road. And I think we're going to find a, a good bit more opportunity than we've seen in the last couple of years. And, and our, our goal is just to continue to, to grow that core business of ours. Great. So any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah. So um, I, I'd say the biggest one, and I know this is a little controversial when I tell people about this, but I'm a big fan of, I only work when I feel like working. Um, and I, I, it's not real. I mean, obviously a lot of us don't feel like working a lot of the time, but if I wake up one day and I just feel like I'm not going to be productive um, I'm not in the, in the mind space or the, the mindset to like really get productive work done. I don't feel like I can accomplish anything. I'll take a half day off or maybe even the whole day off um, as opposed to going and sitting at my computer and trying to force myself to work. Um, because I found that at least with me, if I force myself to work, then that, that feeling of I can't accomplish anything is going to last for days or weeks. But if I just say, okay, I'm going to take a half day off, I'm going to clear my schedule, I'm going to take the day off and go spend the day with my wife or my kids, I can wake up the next day feeling a whole lot better. Um, so I'm not saying it would work for everybody, but for me, like my, my favorite personal habit is just to, to wake up in the morning and kind of judge like how I feel. And if I really don't feel like working one day, I don't work that day. And then I tend to be a lot more productive the next several days. So it, I think it all evens out. Great. Great. So what do you do, do during that day? Um, so it depends. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's just, I'll run errands or I'll do paperwork or I'll, I'll do like accounting type stuff, mindless type stuff that doesn't really require me to, to focus. Um, maybe I'll go to lunch with my wife. Maybe we'll go to a movie. If it's, if it's, if my kids aren't in school, I'll go do something with my kids. Um, but basically I'll, I'll just try and typically if I don't feel like working, it's because something's stressing me out. Um, and I just need a break. And so just whatever I feel like doing that will kind of allow me to relax. And generally by the next day, I feel great and I'm ready to work again. Cool. Cool. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? 
fun out multiple books um so i every book to some degree has impacted my life but probably the one um the first one that that really kind of got me thinking about finance and wealth um in a different way is a book called the millionaire next door um it's a popular book i'm sure most of your listeners have probably heard it um, but it's basically about the fact that there are a whole lot of people out there that have money. And we grow up, or I shouldn't say we, but I grew up basically in in, in lower, lower middle class. Um, and for me, it was kind of like you're either rich or you're poor. Um, you either have the fancy car and, and the private jet and or or you don't have much at all. And it never really occurred to me until my mid-20s that there are a whole lot of people out there that actually have a decent amount of money. They just don't flaunt it. They don't have expensive cars or expensive houses or expensive watches. They save their money and they invest their money and, and um, they live a very, very comfortable life um, without having to show it off. And so it was the first time I realized that, um, that there's opportunity without having to become a hundred millionaire. Um, I didn't have to make tens of millions of dollars to be rich that I could, I could make a million dollars or $2 million or $3 million and live a very comfortable life. And there are people out there that were doing it because you don't hear about those people typically. Um, they tend to be quiet about the money that they have and they tend to be quiet about what they're spending their money on. And so just recognizing that there was this whole class of people out there that live well um, but don't show it off was a real eye-opener for me and, and kind of allowed me to change my focus and, and, and change my habits. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So how can listeners can connect with you, Jay? Yeah. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me, the easiest way is go to www.connectwithjscott.com, just the letter J, uh, connectwithjscott.com, and that will link you out to, to everything you might want to find out about me. Thank you, Jay. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show. Thanks, Rama. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.